0: But because of my overconfidence, what I did was I invested about 80% of my funds in that one stock. So I took a huge, a very large bet.
1: Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk. But to win big, you've got to reduce it. My name's Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Investment Research, and today I'm here with Ashraf Bava, who will be telling us about his worst investment ever. Ashraf, welcome to the show. Thank you, Andrew. So before we get started, I'll share a little bit of your background with our listeners. Ashraf Bava is currently the CEO of Nile Capital Limited and a director at the Securities and Exchange Commission of Pakistan's Institute of Financial Markets. He's the president of CFA Society in Pakistan, and I was it in Thailand. So we know each other from those days. Ashraf holds an MBA degree and is a CFA charter holder. He started his career as a customer services officer at MobiLink in 1995. He joined Elixir Securities and Equity Sales and was promoted to head of sales in 2004 and eventually became CEO in 2005. He set up Nile Capital in 2009, has been running it ever since. During his career, he also was a consultant at the World Bank Group. Ashraf, you have anything to add to this? Tell us something about your personal
0: life. I have one wife (laughs) and (laughs) four kids, actually three boys and a girl. And I make sure that after my stressful job of uh, working in the equities market, I make sure that I spend time with them. And one more thing I really love to do is uh, work out, go to the gym, do some exercise just like Andrew does. So I would advise all of you to do the same.
1: For any of you guys that meet Ashraf in person, you'll see he's a very fit man. He's a very fit man. I can attest to that. So now before sharing your story, tell us about your level of an investing experience and the type of investment you're going to share about today.
0: Thank you, Andrew, for taking me on your podcast, first of all. Yes. As far as my... In, level of uh, investment experience is concerned if you I mean obviously you can 20 years little over 20 years of experience behind me now Actually, educated in the right kind of financial education which you require to invest in the equities market or capital markets so to say and uh, again I've worked on the on the brokerage side uh, all my years so I would say that you know I should be considered a fairly experienced person to, uh, to be a fairly experienced investor. In the capital markets.
1: Got it. And you're going to share a story about investing in a stock.
0: Yeah. One of my worst investments. (laughs)
1: So let's uh, let's move into the story. So to set the stage for our listeners, please describe the circumstances leading up to this worst investment and then tell us the story. I think the story,
0: I mean, I would like to uh, just give you the background that it was, I think, 2005 or 2006. That is the time and the stock I'm talking about is Attock Refinery. Attock Refinery is one of the biggest refineries in Pakistan. It's half owned by foreigners and the other half is majority owned by foreigners and the rest is by Pakistanis, held by Pakistani firms. Back then, I think I was making quite a lot of money because the market had a major bull run. I had this, you know, high confidence level that you know whatever investment I'm making, whatever trade I'm doing, it's, it's like uh, it's like turning everything into gold. So frankly speaking, I was. A bit overconfident, which should not be in the equities market. So I would say I wasn't thinking rationally at that point in time and wasn't checking on my risk factors, which you should generally do before making any investment. So the first biggest mistake what I did at that point in time was that, you know, I invested, I would say that 70-80% of my portfolio's bet was on that particular stock. I think in, in any normal circumstances you would take a portfolio approach where you would just invest about 10-20% in one particular sector stock. But because of my overconfidence, what I did was I invested about 80% of my funds in that one stock. So I took a huge, a very large bet, and I was pretty damn sure that I'm going to make money like I have been making money so many other stocks and that I've been taking on. So. The story goes that, you know, Atta Refinery was, at that point in time, was trading at rupees 150, rupees Pakistan, rupees uh, Pakistan currency, invested 80% of my funds in, in, in Attab Refinery. And frankly speaking, refineries, uh, the earnings of refineries, if you have looked into the earnings of refineries, they move up and down quite a lot. They are quite volatile in a sense, you know, they depend a lot on the you know, international oil prices. And I did not have access to any probably considerable research or any research on the international oil markets. And I was just hunting on on what the market gurus were saying. So, you know, there were big brokers who were building a huge position in, in that particular stock. And I got this tip. And I started building up a position for myself as well. So, I started buying from. I think 150 to 160 or 170, and I was quite happy. It did actually go up a bit. I think it went up initially by 5% or 10% or so, but you know, I was in a high spirits and an overconfident trader, so I wouldn't want to, you know, just get out and just stop by 10% or so of return. So I thought I would just hold on. At that point in time, now just imagine that there was this was a huge bet just based on tips from market, market and the market gurus, and it was not bad for any research. Of my own or from anywhere else, people do come up with these research in the market, but I didn't even bother to read it. I was so overconfident, and uh, stocks started to slide down in a couple of days' time. And uh, I was sort of, you know, still because I had huge return already in my portfolio, so you know I was okay with it that you know I can carry on for a little while. And started sliding bit. and. Uh, I started to get news that, you know, a couple of big institutions, one of the uh, main institutions who held more than 10-20% of position in, in the stock, a couple of strategic investors are actually getting out of this stock. And I got uh, this these, these uh, rumors and news is coming from the market, but I wasn't convinced. I was so overconfident about my own self. So I thought, no, I'll just hold on to it. And uh, after about a week's time, this stock actually went down, started touching the lower locks. In Pakistan, we have the system of uh, upper and lower lock where the stock can actually go down by 5 go up by 5% or or go down by 5%. So if it hits a lower lock of 5%, then it freezes and the market freezes, and it, uh, it it has to open tomorrow at a at, at a lower price. Unless otherwise, unless obviously if, if it wants to, if, if the stock moves up again the same day. So really, uh, this was the first lock, 5% down. The second day, there was another 5% lock. And after the, after the second day, the third, fourth, and fifth day, the stock would just open at the lower lock of 5% and hardly and there would be any trades. So the stock started to slide down from 150. And the first exit I could have got in the stock was about at 96. Even at 96, just imagine the returns I had made throughout my bull run in the last two years. Half of the returns were actually gone in that Take back with a slide of just 50 or 60 rupees, and even then, uh, I did not want to cut my losses, which which would have been a prudent choice to do that at that point in time. So I did not listen to my friends, I did not listen to to any sort of research and any sort of <laughs> uh, market rumors or, or any writing on the wall that like, you know this stock is actually falling and you should get out of that. So I thought I'll just take a take a risk and probably hold on for a couple of days. This stock is going to go come back up very soon. After one day, on that particular day, it, there was a huge volume that I could have easily got out, but I did not. From th- the day after that, the stock started to pound again and uh, started to uh, open at lower lock of 5% for another 5 or 60. Now the stock was at 50 rupees. So just imagine what happened. I mean, I lost all the returns I made. I, in fact, I, I, I even wiped out about 20-30% of uh, my uh, principal amount of what I had invested. And eventually I had to cut losses because then I, my mind was totally numb. I could not make any choices. I could not make any rational choices at, at rupees 46 when the stock was trading freely and there was volumes. So I just got out of it. And just two days after that the stock went up to 95, 96. So just imagine the kind of emotional stress I got. And after that I could not actually have made any decent trade or build any decent position. Uh, out of fear uh, for for another three to four months, and even after three or four months, I just started uh, getting into the market by, by very small volumes, very small, much smaller than what I usually did. So it took me about another couple of years to recoup my losses and then go back into profits and regain my normal comp. So this is this is like the worst mistake which I did. And the market actually ra- rallied after 2005 to 2007. So I missed out the whole big rally because of one. Stupid mistake and uh, made it back one at a bad one in time. So, wow. it was not just one stop or one, one, uh, one blip of, of that carrying moment which happened, it just wiped out about two years of my potential returns which I could have earned in a uh, normal market, in the bull market which followed after that.
1: I have so much to say, but I just want to ask you uh, first, if you can summarize what you learned from this story, and then I'm going to come in with some of the things that I learned from what you've shared.
0: Actually, basically, we have been studying about portfolio approach in our CFA curriculum, and I think that is the most prudent thing to do. You should not put all your heads in one basket. We have been hearing this since our childhood, and I think it's just one of the correct phrases, in uh, terms or ideas which we should, uh, we should follow. So probably what would what should I number one what should I have done is have a proper portfolio approach. Even if I liked the refined stock, I should have invested yes, but maybe 10-15 percent, whatever my strategy was, should, should have done that. Secondly, I should have done my research, read my research at least. What the international oil prices is, or talking about, what are, what is my own brokers are telling me about this particular stock, and what what probably are other people writing about the same stock. So probably if I had read more, I should have, I could have got more insight into it, and probably I could have made a more Informed decision. And finally, I think there is, from a trading perspective, you should have a stop loss. I mean, if, if if something goes wrong, that doesn't mean that you just keep on hanging on to it for for eternal life. I mean, you have to get out of it. If it goes wrong, it goes wrong. I mean, you can't. Probably, if I had, even when I had made the mistake, I got an exit at 96, which I chose not to. I guess that should have been a point where I should have exited. So, you know, at times you have to take losses. It's hard to take losses, but, you know, uh, at times you have to make difficult choices. Probably Hmm. if I had taken a choice of making a loss at 96, I might have not been under that much stress, which i was after that.
1: Right. Okay. So so let me wrap up what I get from your story. I'm going to look at the the three points that you've made. And then after that, I'm going to look at two others that I've been thinking about. Uh, The first one is diversification. And diversification when we're buying stocks means In fact, this is one of the academic papers that I did at the university when I was doing my PhD, which is what's the optimum number of stocks to hold in the portfolio? And my answer is 10. Uh, Mm -hmm. I feel like uh, 10 will eliminate, particularly in Asia, 10 will eliminate something like 70 to 80% of the risk that any one stock is gonna damage your portfolio. And if you go more than 10, well, it's hard to find more than 10 ideas and it's hard to keep in in track of them. And if you go to 20 stocks let's say you might as well just own a market instrument such as such as a fund or an etf so diversification my advice always for individuals individuals 10 stocks the second thing is research and you mentioned about doing your own research i think the other thing that that's important is when you do research make sure you use it when you're accessing research make sure you use it one of the points that i would make is about the overconfidence which you stressed at the beginning i think that it's very common actually for financial professionals to feel overconfident but it's also common for let's say entrepreneurs and business people who have been successful in business and then they go into the realm of the stock market with the confidence that they were successful in their business and it's that overconfidence that really can can hurt us quite badly in the market so i think the the thing the lesson on overconfidence for me there is to stay humble. And the market will always make us humble if we don't stay humble. (laughs) (laughs) The other one that you talked about is a stop loss. And when I was an equity analyst, I never would talk about a stop loss. And I think most fund managers don't talk about it because they think, hey, if your stock goes down, I should buy more. Mm -hmm. I mean, how Mm -hmm. much do you believe in this story? You should buy more. A stock going down would be like an affront to the story of what i'm investing in one of the lessons that i've learned with the stock market is that sometimes you could be right in your story it's just a wrong time so you've just timed it wrong rel- relative to the price you know it could be a good company it could have a good long-term f- future you just bought at the wrong time so a stop loss allows you to get out and accept that and then be able to re-enter it which brings me to the last point that i take away from what you've shared and that is really that Losses can be devastating personally, professionally, emotionally. You know, it's not something that you recover from, you know, instantly, particularly when it's your worst investment ever. And I think that, um, you know, part of what I respect, because we talked before this show about this and some other discussions that you and I have had, is that by sharing the feelings that you had at the time and how you were kind of, let's say, you really couldn't make any decisions at that point, you just had to cut your losses and get out. I think it's something that all the the listeners can can appreciate that if you ever get stuck like a deer in the headlights is what can happen sometimes you know you've got to get out at some point and recalibrate your life so those are the lessons i have learned from what you said did i miss anything
0: no no, i think exactly these are the points i think i would like to emphasize that you know uh, one has to be humble obviously read probably read about uh, what you want you are getting into it and Make sure that, you know, enjoy life. You don't take um, so much rest that it, it overwhelms you and, you know, it affects your body. It affects you emotionally and it affects you, probably your health as well. So, you know, I think it's good well that, that you're know, still within the limits.
1: Yeah, and that brings us to the next section of the podcast interview, which is actionable advice. And it's based upon this story and your experience since then. What specific actions can you recommend to our listeners to help them protect their investment?
0: Two things I would say is that, you know, whatever you invest in, whether it's stock or or real estate or anything, just study, just read. You have to read. You cannot go blindly into anything without doing any research. It's not necessary that you actually go into the fundamentals and, you know, bring the pick out numbers yourself. There are people who do research, so, you know, there are news in the newspaper. But you have to read and probably make a case that whatever thing you're getting into it does it really make sense. At least try and ask questions to yourself secondly don't go for the short run Uh, i missed out this part in the beginning that you know i thought uh, i would have made a killing on this particular stock in next three or four months and i was completely wrong now if i look now the stock is actually at it it did actually go back to to, to go more than 150 and it had actually hit 250 or 300 after three years time so had i been in the stock for a long term Probably I would have made money. So I think as an investor, you should believe in long-term and uh, research. These are the two things you should definitely consider before making any investments.
1: Boom, that's great advice. So in closing, there you have it, fellow risk takers, another painful story of loss to keep you winning. To find more stories like this one, previous episodes, and resources to help you reduce your risk, visit myworstinvestmentever.com. As we wrap up, Ashraf, I want to thank you for coming on the show. I know it's painful talking about our losers, but our listeners are learning to win as a result. Before we close, do you have any parting words for our listeners?
0: I would just say enjoy life, exercise more, wake up early in the morning like uh, Andrew does, and uh, you'll have a fresh mind to invest to make the right decisions in the morning.
1: <laughs> Fantastic. You.
0: Yeah, there you you
1: go, fellow risk takers. Another great story to help you create, grow, and protect your wealth. I'll see you on the upside.